Words are important. A lot gets said through words. Sometimes we say a word, don't mean what we say, how it's said. There's so much that goes along with words. And today, that's what we're going to take a look at. We're going to look at the ninth commandment that we're not to bear false witness against our neighbor. Let me just read to you this. There was a a prohibition of false accusation against another person is the first law of the code of Hammurabi. And you know by that code that those who live by that and that the penalty for giving a false statement or accusation was death. Believe today we don't hold it nowhere near that strong. I believe God is very adamant uh, against us bearing false witness. And this false witness goes into a lot of other areas as we're going to look at this morning. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, like we did last week, we're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we'll skip down to 16. Why do we keep repeating 1 and 2? Because I want myself, as well as you, to remember who it was that gave this command. It wasn't Moses just writing it, because he didn't like the way the people were, but we need to understand who's giving it. Would you please stand with me as we look? Exodus 20, beginning in verse 1. And then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then go down to verse 16. It says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. With that still on the screen, would you all read that one with me, believing that that is God's word? Verse 16, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Father God, this morning, Lord, we approach your throne. Father, I pray that you will open our ears and soften our hearts, that we may hear Holy Spirit. Father, you would open our eyes that we can behold wonderful things from your word. And Father, would you help me to step aside so I don't get in the way of your message. And Father, I pray this morning that the ears will hear what you're saying to them, not what I'm saying. And Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. As we begin to look at this ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. There's a a word in there that we need to understand. And what is that word but the word neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Does that question ring a bell? Over in the Gospels, we've heard when Jesus was talking about the Good Samaritan, they asked, who is my neighbor? Those religious leaders, they were just so religious that they wanted to get everything right, but they wanted to have their exclusion or their exception out. Who is my neighbor? Well, there's different words for neighbor in the Bible, different ones, different meanings. The one that we're looking at here in Exodus 20 in this particular verse is the first time that we've seen this word for neighbor, and it is pertaining to anyone else that you happen to come in contact with. So anybody you come in contact with in this situation is your neighbor. 
Now, other parts of Exodus, other parts of Scripture, it brings it down to kind of what we think of as a neighbor who lives close to us. But this doesn't just work for those who live close to us. Wouldn't that be good if we only had to to tell the truth to those who are close? But bearing a false witness to a neighbor has many ramifications, and we're going to look at that. And the first one, which is predominantly where verse 16 is incorporated into, and this is the first thing on your outline, is the legal situation. We have legal courts, we have a legal system, and we all know very well that we're not to bear false witness, and the purpose Why does God put this in here? Why do we not bear false witness against your neighbor? Well, let me ask you this question. First of all, what is the purpose of a judicial proceeding? We have courts today. What is the purpose of that? But it's to find out the truth about a matter. Would you agree with that? So if we go to court, there are usually witnesses that are called upon. These witnesses are to testify to what they have seen or what they know. And they are to tell that. We see oftentimes when they come up onto the stand, we've heard that phrase, they're sworn to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So it's called perjury if you're on a witness stand and you give a false statement. And in the legal system, we're to do that. But we're also not just to say necessarily what we know, but what we've seen find that amazing you have an accident you get three people together you're going to get three different slight stories but you can put them all together and you can probably figure out what the picture is but the purpose of this judicial system is so that truth can be found out about a matter not only is it in exodus that we get this But God also says that they're to tell the truth in the court. Turn with me just real quick to your right to the book of Leviticus chapter 5. Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Now if a person sins after he hears a public oath to testify when he is a witness, whether he has seen or otherwise known, if he does not tell it, then he will bear his guilt. God's saying it's a sin not to testify to the truth. I believe the whole truth. And and as we say today, nothing but the truth. We don't need your commentation sometimes in the courtroom. All they want. What's the, the lawyer sometimes just, he'll ask that question. He'll keep asking it until he gets exactly what he wants. And when someone begins to go off on their own, the judge will just call them back to order. We need to know what the truth is. Because there's a purpose. We're trying to find out is someone guilty or not guilty. You know, if you lie in the courtroom, maybe you get someone sentenced to death that didn't do death. Or maybe vice versa in that situation. But we are to tell the truth at all times in the legal matter. So what is it? Bearing false witness against your neighbor, it distorts the judicial system. If you're in a court situation or some legal situation where you're having to give testimony and you give false testimony, you're distorting the whole process because it's not going to happen correctly. And what do we talk about here in these scriptures? But uh, we're dealing with a neighbor, someone next to us. We're dealing with that second set of commandments is dealing with a person. You know, how would you like it if someone distorted the truth on you? 
and it caused you to have to pay a fine or a ticket or, or go to jail. There's a lot with the judicial system. But it's not just within the judicial system, but what about on the personal level? Second thing there on your outline, the personal level. There's an ancient Sumerian proverb. Listen to this one. Failure to keep a promise made by a person makes them a liar. Failure to keep a promise made by a person makes them a liar. But when we look at this, we've got to understand this personal level of where God's dealing with. And there's a lot I want you to hear with this. Let's look just real quick at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. It says, therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. We need to speak truth in the church. We need to speak truth out. What does this look like on the the personal level? Most of us in here would probably venture to say that we tell the truth. We don't make it a, a habit of lying. I hope you don't. But maybe just say that you go to a pizza buffet. Okay? You're at a pizza buffet. You bring your child Your child just turned seven two days ago. And the pizza discount for the child is for under the age of seven. What do you say? Is he seven or is he not? No one knows. I mean, gosh, it's just a few dollars. In a personal level, that's bearing a false witness. I once heard Adrian Rogers tell a story I think it was him or Dr. Charles Stanley that they went to an amusement park. He had him and his wife and his kids and they just had so much money with them. And when they got there, one of the kids was about two or three days older than the limit. And he said he had to make the decision. What do you do? He told the truth. And he looked at the kids, he pulled them together and he said, children, I'm sorry, we can't go today. We just don't have enough. He said, my principle means more to me than a day at the amusement park. He said, in, in the long run, everything worked out. I think someone was there, helped them out with some money. But what do we say when no one even knows? See, that's where it begins to become personal. Maybe what about the life you live When we look around and we see the life we live, do we portray that we're something that we're not? Have you ever known someone who was in the poorhouse and they had more credit cards than you knew what to do with and they were all maxed out and they're trying to keep up with the Jones and they're driving the new cars and everything looks good? That's bearing a false witness, a false image of who you are. You see, God looks at all of this. Yes, he's talking here in Exodus 20 about a court case, but the overarching principle even from that court case comes into how do we bear who we are on a personal level to other people? What about our our testimony that we have? Someone professing to be a Christian who's not a Christian. Or maybe someone who is a Christian but lives like a heathen. 
We could see both opposites of that. But what about someone who professes to be a Christian, but I'm just going to fit in with the crowd? I'm not going to make a big deal about it. We'll just kind of stand back and no one knows. We tell the same jokes, laugh at the same jokes. You see, there again, we go to bearing a false witness against your neighbor. It distorts your testimony. Each and every believer has a testimony. Each and every non-believer has a testimony. Unfortunately, theirs just doesn't have the hope that we do at the end. But what do you say about yourself to others? What does it say about you if you're willing to bear false witness? Says a lot. And third, God Let's look at God. You know, we're looking at these Ten Commandments from the idea of God loves us. God is what? Revealing his self to us through these Ten Commandments. Yes, he gave us the commandments as some instructions to follow, but he's revealing who he is and the type person he is and the life he wants us to live. You see it in the very beginning. We're going to look in Genesis here in just a moment. God bore true witness. In the garden. Turn with me to the second chapter of the whole Bible, Genesis chapter 2, in verse 15, and say amen once you've turned there. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Got an amen, somebody there with me so far? I hear some pages still turning. Got an awful quiet day. Is it too warm for you? Some of you say it's cold sometimes, it's hot sometimes. But let's see what God said in the very beginning. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and set him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may surely eat. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat from it. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now let's take a picture in your mind. God has created the most perfect garden. Everything God has provided for man, he's given man life, he's created man, he's now set him in the garden, told him to cultivate it. Yes, God gave work. It wasn't all just roses, but the man had to work. But God said, I've given you everything in this garden. You can eat from everything but one tree. And that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God bore witness that was truthful when he said, In the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You know, people all around think, well, God means one thing or he says another. Or or they want to try to distort what happens. And we're going to look at that. There's someone who's really good at distorting the truth of God. But God is very truthful. That's one thing I want you to understand. Number one, church, God loves each and every one of you. But God is also a truthful God. And that's one thing I like about him. You don't have to guess. He just shoots it straight how it is. He told him, eat of everything but this or surely you will die. 
God knew that death would come. What, what do we mean by death would come? Two things of that death. God knew that the moment he ate of the knowledge of good and evil, there would be a death or a separation in a relationship. God created man to be in relationship with him. He wants us to be in that relationship. And he says, don't eat because when you do, it's going to cause separation. But when everything was perfect, there was no disease on earth. So do you know it is a literal death that came from that sin too? Instantly things begin to die. Bodies begin to die the moment we're born. And this is all due to the corruption that's in this world. But God said, don't do it. God bore the truth. Do you know who bore the false witness? Satan bore the false witness. Look down just a couple of verses, chapter 3 and verse 2. Actually, I'm going to begin in verse 1. It's probably not on your screen. It'll pick up verse 2. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, here we pick up. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it, and you shall not touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, Surely you will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You hear the serpent there at verse 4? And the serpent said to the woman, surely you will not die. Deceiver. He bore false witness against God. God said you're going to die. Satan says you're not going to die. So when Eve took that apple and ate, it changed everything. You see, Satan distorted the truth. And Satan caused death because God spoke truth. And the moment Eve ate, she gave to her husband and he ate. And what do we know very shortly after that? God come for his time with them, their walk, and they were hidden. They took and covered themselves. They realized they were naked. You see this relationship of purity between them and God was broken. They hid themselves from God. The relationship was broken. There was a a death in the relationship. And as we see that, God comes in and what does he say? Adam, where are you? And I know I've said this before. God didn't ask Adam that because he didn't know where he was. God knew exactly where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to realize where Adam was. He was hidden. Why are you hiding? You think God didn't know that? Because they took of the distortion. So you see, there's why God doesn't want you to distort the truth. It changes things. For some people, it has more detrimental 
consequences than others. But God also bears witness to life in John 14, 6. Let me read that to you. Many of you know that verse. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Church, that is one very important verse. If you mark in your Bible, put a star by it, underline it, highlight it, whatever you need to do so that it jumps out. Because God is bearing witness to who he is. What is the first thing that he bears witness to? Jesus says, I am the way. He doesn't say, I am a way. There are many ways. There is one way to heaven and only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. He wants us to understand it. He's telling us who he is. You can try any other way you want, and you will find out one day that it was the wrong way. So I hope that you know now that there is only one way. Jesus tells the truth. He said, I am the way, the only way. He also said, I am the truth. Jesus speaks truth. There's no lie. There's no bearing of false witness within Jesus. It's who he is. He cannot tell a lie. Well, wouldn't that be amazing if we were all that good that we couldn't tell a lie? You know, we can sure try, but there was no possibility whatsoever in the nature of Jesus to tell a lie. Do you hear? He's revealing who he is. Why is that so important? So what if Jesus tells a little white lie? Well, if he tells a little white lie, then he's not the perfect, blameless, sinless sacrifice that we needed. If he lies somewhere, maybe he'll lie somewhere else. Knowing that his nature is truth, we can believe everything that God said and everything that is in God's word. And Jesus also in his truth says that he's life. There's life in a relationship with Jesus. He bore honest witness. There's physical life. We have life blessings. We have life here on earth. We have a heaven here in earth with a relationship. He brings life to a relationship. Our sin, death, separation. Jesus brings that reconciliation. And we have life in that relationship. We have life hereafter. And God tells us that he's truth. He bears all through his word to that fact. Bearing false witness against your neighbor distorts God. God is truth. If we're not truthful and we claim to be a Christian, we're distorting the image of God before other people I've done it in my life and I've had to repent. We all have. But we need to come home and understand that God is perfect and that he's truth. And he gives us this command not to to make it difficult, but he wants us to live in the fullness of life. And as believers, we are a testimony to who he is. We bear witness to him. And if we bear false witness, then others might think that he bears false witness. So bearing a false witness against people you come in contact with. One that I have to be very careful with. And in some aspects, I would say this is to you too, is how do I bear witness of God's word? As a pastor, I'm held to a standard that I bear the truth in God's word and not a false witness. There are preachers that people know. 
You may know some. You've seen some on TV. I'm not talking about every TV evangelist. Don't get me wrong. But there are some who mightily distort the truth. Those who believe in what's called Unitarianism. That everyone. They want to get up and preach that God's word says everybody's going to heaven. They're distorting the truth. And there's going to be many people find that out. And I believe that on those who preach that away, that's going to be on them. So there's a big deal with not bearing a false witness. So my plead with you today is don't perjure yourself. May we do the best we can in every step of life, in every area of life to bear true witness about who we are about true witness about who God is because even though we don't always like it the world is looking at each and every one of us those who know you're a believer they're watching each and every day and unfortunately many of them are watching for one thing they're just waiting for you to mess up because then they can say see I told you. This comes a long ways. Might have shared this story with you. I remember in high school, there was a group of kids that would always usually pick on me. You know, don't pick on me. But I did my best to live and profess what I believed. And there was this one particular one always kind of in the crowd. And he was always standing back. But any time any of them would come around, I would do my best to just go somewhere else. Sometimes that's easier to do, amen? I remember a number of years after that, I was working in Bell Lady. Many of y'all remember that up in uh, South Park Mall, now Summer Grove Baptist Church. And I looked up, and across the store coming straight toward me was this gentleman. And I was like, oh, No. So I began to just make my way over and start working over here. And he come over and said, excuse me, are you Richard? It's like, yes, I am. He said, I need to tell you something. He said, I don't know if you remember me or not. I was like, yeah, I kind of remember you. He said, I was in that group that always picked on you. And he said, I watched you from a distance. And he said, I just needed to let you know today that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ because of how you reacted to those people. That's not puffing myself up, but you see people are watching in our testimony. Just one other little testimony. A few years ago in school, we were eating lunch at a restaurant in Shreveport. And me and a friend of mine, preacher, he's been here and preached before. We were having a debate over something. And this lady comes by and she said, I know I've shared this one with y'all. She said, y'all claim to be Christians. She says, you need to know what pieces of, and I'm just going to leave a blank there. She said, you can figure it out, that we were. And she turned around and walked out the door. One of my guys was ready, guy we were eating, when he was ready to get up, he was fixing to go confront her in the parking lot. I said, let me tell you. I said, no. I said, let's do something. I said, this is out of ordinary for me. I said, let's pray for her. 
I said, evidently she has something going on in her life. Because of that, there was a young lady sitting just over to my right. She had two little kids. She said, excuse me, guys, are you all Christians? Because she heard all of this conversation. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, would you please come over here and pray for me? She said, I've got some things going on. Now, had we went with the other guy's situation, and take it for right, we were a little upset. We would have lost that opportunity to minister to her. You see, there's life. We brought life into that lady. So don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Your neighbor being anyone that you come in contact with. May you bow your heads.